Welcome back to Radicalize Me, the show about activism and people who do it. The twist is that you can be one of those people. That's right. I hope that listening to this show will one day make you a guest on this show. And what I like to do here is not only talk to people from all over the spectrum of leftist activism, but also from all points of the activist journey. The message I'd like you to walk away from my podcast with is that you can become an activist tomorrow. Activism is the advocacy of government policies, it's protest, it's promotion of education around certain issues, negotiating with leaders, and just helping people out, doing good deeds. Like uh, Eddie, Eddie McDowd, right? the guy turned into a dog, he had to do good deeds to turn human again, remember? So I encourage you to listen to today's interview. And uh, go through some of my past episodes, if you feel so inclined. And uh, try to pick out one thing you can do tomorrow that puts yourself onto that spectrum. My guest this week is Chris, also known as Chris the Plumber, from the podcast Real Politique. And it is Real Politique, not Real Politic, as my brain insists on reading it. Um, but it is two words. So, nah. But Chris is one of three hosts of the show, including Paul Holden and John Barber. And they each have a sort of role to play they, that uh, informs their perspective. All right, so Chris is the everyman, the on-the-ground guy, with uh, the plumber part of his name being a response to the Joe the Plumber phenomenon of the 2008 presidential race. If you're too young to remember, the 2008 election was special in that uh, it really paved the way for the proud stupidity of today's Republican Party. John McCain was the Republican nominee, and while I don't really like anything about him, he did seem like a fairly smart guy, and he was respected by most members of both parties. But then out of left field, or, you know, right field, I guess, he goes and plucks then-governor of Alaska Sarah Palin out of obscurity and shoves her in front of a camera, and it's a fucking disaster. This was like a Democratic Party-level bad decision, or like, you know, like the mirror image, I guess. It's like they wanted to appeal to conservatives with someone from a very rural state who, like, hunts moose and shit, but uh, then they went with a woman to appeal to liberals, but young to appeal to the young, and uninformed to appeal to the uninformed. But at the end of the day, she was just some weird lady who lived in the woods and didn't know anything. It comes off as a really tone-deaf PR decision that blew up in their face. She didn't have the charisma and the stage presence of Trump, but Republicans didn't care. And uh, her, her run for the VP must have come as a signal to Trump that, that America was ready for his particular brand of stupid bullshit in their politics. Which, of course, led to his birther conspiracy theory about Obama a couple of years later. Um, an almost presidential run in 2012. Yep, this could have started even earlier. Um, and then uh, what we all know happened in 2016. But a couple of quick items about Sarah Palin. During an infamous interview, soon after Palin joined the McCain campaign, uh, Katie Couric asked her, and if you're a longtime listener, you know I'm no fan of Katie Couric or her brand of fucking corporate uh, access journalism. But she asked her a simple question. What newspapers and magazines do you read? One of the reasons Couric asked this is that by the time this interview happened, news media and Democrats had already started questioning, rightfully so, Palin's qualifications. So there are a few ways to view this question. Republicans saw it as a trap, like, you know, either catch her off guard 
or get her to say some stupid thing. She reads like Guns and Ammo Monthly or some shit. Uh, Democrats probably saw it as a chance to prove how dumb she is. Right? <laughs> I think in this case, it's really just due diligence to ask the person running for first in line to the most powerful position on earth what she reads. You know, I'm pretty sure in most presidential cycles, they, they ask all the candidates at some point what they read. But there was particular concern <laughs> around this one. You could even say Couric was like giving her a chance to redeem herself, right? I mean, you can literally say anything. What, what do you just name something that could be read? But I think the problem is uh, Republicans like Palin know that, it, you know, if she says the New York Times or something, that'll piss off their base. But if they say guns and ammo monthly, then they're just going to get attacked relentlessly for that. So let me actually read this exchange to you real quick, because it's not like Couric didn't give her multiple chances to, again, say any news source. Couric. And when it comes to establishing your worldview, I was curious, what newspapers and magazines did you regularly read before you were tapped for this to stay informed and to understand the world? Palin. I've read most of them, again, with a great appreciation for the press, for the media. Couric. But what ones specifically? I'm curious. Palin. Um, all of them. <laughs> any of them that have been in front of me over all these years. Couric. Can you name any of them? Palin. I have a vast variety of sources where we get our news. She also couldn't accurately describe the job of the VP. And anytime she was asked about McCain's policies, she would basically say a bunch of folksy bullshit interspersed with the phrase shoring up the economy seven or, seven or eight times, and then fuck off to right-wing outlets where she'd complain about the liberal media's gotcha questions. She's a fucking moron. Now, how does Joe the plumber fit into all this? Well, emboldened by their... Queen Moron, some of the people who uh, evolved into what we now know as MAGA chuds started coming out of the woodwork to call Obama's mild economic reform plans socialist. And conservatives calling mild economic reform socialist is nothing new, but uh, the, you know, the absolute frenzy of the new Red Scare that we've seen grow over the past decade and come to fruition in the insane reactionary force of the modern right wing in the past couple of years I think can be traced back to Palin and, and a man known as Joe the Plumber. Now, his real name is Samuel Joseph Wurzelbacher. But uh, when he made headlines by asking Obama a dumbass question at an Ohio campaign stop and misunderstanding the answer, he became JTP. Now, let's look at this interaction, because, again, if you're a young person listening to this and, and you're not aware... Uh, you might be surprised by the rhetoric of, of um, candidate Obama. Candidate Obama was fucking based, right? That's what the kids say. He was, he was poggers. M much poggers was he. <laughs> he wasn't a socialist and he was probably never quite as left as Bernie. But uh, Obama actually spoke very highly of Bernie around this time and, and their rhetoric wasn't all that different. Of course, Obama's presidency didn't really bear out this rhetoric, and uh, many of us kind of looked away from all the Wall Street money coming into his campaign. But uh, you know, he just seemed like a breath of fresh air compared to the, his main primary rival, 
um, a young woman by the name of Hillary Rodham Clinton. <laughs> because American politics is a flat circle and these assholes just never fucking leave. But anyway, you're going to hear Obama say some true and cool things, which uh, you might not be used to. So prepare yourself. On October 12th, 2008, during a campaign break before the final presidential debate at Hofstra University, Obama visited a working-class Toledo, Ohio neighborhood. Wurzelbacher watched as the candidate engaged numerous residents in conversation. He made his way through the crowd to ask Obama about his tax plan. Wurzelbacher suggested that Obama's tax plan would be at odds with the American dream. Wurzelbacher said, I'm getting ready to buy a company that makes two hundred fifty to $280,000 a year. Wow, I feel bad for you, dude. Your new tax plan is going to tax me more, isn't it? Obama responded with an explanation of how his tax plan would affect small businesses in this bracket. Obama said, if you're a small business, which you would qualify, uh, first of all, you would get a... Should I do an Obama here? <laughs> Now, if uh, if uh, you're a small business, which uh, you 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 would qualify, but but look, first of all, I can't do it throughout the. <laughs> first of all, you would get a fifty percent tax credit, so you get a, uh, a cut in taxes for your healthcare costs. So you'd actually get a a tax cut on that part. If your revenue if your revenue is above two fifty. Then from 250 down, your taxes are going to stay the same. It is true that, say, for 250 up, from 250 to 300 or so, so for that additional amount, you'd go from 36 to 39%, which is what it was under Bill Clinton. I'm going to jump in here because that, that's how fucking taxes work. And this is what a lot of people just don't understand, I think, um, is that the, the brackets are not just like, if you make this much, you pay this much. It's it, it like everyone who makes, I don't know, $50,000 a year pays uh, this, this percentage on that 50,000. Now, if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you don't pay more on the first 50,000. You just pay a higher percentage on the next 50,000. So when, when they tell you like, oh, they're going to tax people at, uh, you know, 50%, they're going to take half their money. That's fucking bullshit. That's not true. That's not what's going to happen ever. Back to the quote. Obama also said, it's not that I want to punish your success. I just want to make sure that everybody who is behind you, that they've got a chance at success too. My attitude is that if the economy is good for folks from the bottom up, it's going to be good for everybody. If you've got a plumbing business, you're going to be better off. If you've got a whole bunch of customers who can afford to hire you, and right now everybody's so pinched that business is bad for everybody, and I think when you spread the wealth around, it's good for everybody. Now, those are, those are pretty, we're out of the quote now. Those are pretty uh, social democratic ideas, right? That's some Finland shit. And it's really reasonable. You know, I think most people could get on board with this plan. You know, maybe some would be more likely if it wasn't coming from Obama or any Democrat. Actually, this thinking was pretty common in the Republican Party until, I don't know, 60 or so years ago. Look at some of what Eisenhower said about economics and tell me he doesn't sound like 
even more lefty than this Obama quote. So after this encounter, um, American media being what it is, uh, the public was subjected to weeks of attack ads from the uh, McCain campaign and, and, you know, super PACs um, that cut pretty much everything out of Obama's statement besides spread the wealth around. And they said over and over that he was going to raise everyone's taxes because no one fucking understands taxes. And this brings me to my point, which is that this, this proud ignorance and hypocrisy uh, led to this Joe the Plumber asshole becoming a mini-celebrity, and he became a false symbol for the Republican Party's claimed working-class solidarity, a get-out-of-jail-free card for any time they were accused of acting against our interests. This insane, twisted logic brings us to today, where not only does the right have a new idol they believe represents them, but it's fucking Donald Trump, a man who for my entire life has been a staple of pop culture as a self-evident symbol of extreme wealth, a TV punchline trope that quickly conveys to the audience that you're talking about an obscene amount of money. They believe that guy is on their side. And some believe that not only is he on their side, but he, he is actually undercover working to take down deep state satanic pedophile rings. This is not a good pattern. This is not, gonna, not a good uh, path that, that they're on. Anyway, that's why he's Chris the Plumber. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, cool guy, smart guy. Here he is. <laughs> So I have Chris here from Realpolitik. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, so I did your show uh, earlier this week. Dude, and it was a great show. It oh, was a great show. Yeah, it was. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we were a little more uncertain about the election results at that time. Yes, and uh, <laughs> now we have an official uh, designation of President-elect Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, yeah. You How know, are you feeling? How are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling uh, there's definitely a sense of relief. Um, my wife was just saying and she she worked on the um, the coordinated coordinated campaign for Pennsylvania. Um, so partially it's, you know, her insane work days are over. But she was like, yeah, I'd, I don't think I realized until just now how much just constant anxiety I had like during right. Trump's presidency. And it's like, right. yeah, all that shit is true that, like, we have a lot of work to do and not a lot's going to be fixed just by electing him. But mm. it's like, yeah, OK, at least shit will run like the, the machines yeah. will go, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's it's uh, it's something it's it's a small victory. I was going to say we were popping champagne in our house. So uh, <laughs> ha I've had a couple of mimosas. Let's Sweet. just say that uh, brunch, brunch is back, right? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> brunch is back. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, <clears throat> I don't know why people even do this on Twitter because, like, I – they must just like the abuse. <laughs> like I already see people going like, "Yeah, I'm putting my feet up and and uh, can finally go back to not thinking about this." It's like, dude, you know that like ten thousand people are about to scream at you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but that is, I think, going to end up being an overwhelming 
sense that we get from a large amount of the populace, right? Like, yeah, oh, we yeah. can finally stop caring about politics now. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and the funny part is, did they – it was never politics that they really cared about. They cared right. about Orange Cheeto Dictator. Right. right. So that's that why, right. When people, when people say, oh, we're going to lose these, these liberals, I'm like y- you never had them, dude. Like it's yeah. either you fight to, you, to, to uh, convert them now or then, or like it, it, it it's always going to be an uphill battle. So just do it. <laughs> yeah. Over the past 10 years or so, we've had a pretty steady uptick in the number of leftists. So, um, that's, that's good. Uh, but yeah, Paul was saying you you know you're coming from more of the organizing side. Uh, so what are you what are you thinking? Like, you know, a few hours after knowing what's how it's going to be, um, what what is on the uh, the docket for leftists, and how do we approach this? You know, there is a sense of relief, and I think for me, especially just being in the south. The relief for me is that I don't have to hear the orange Cheeto shit anymore. Like <laughs> that's number one on my docket. Like, like it, that, that just like, just everyone giving this man so much attention has been just absolutely irritating yeah. for me because yeah. <laughs> uh, I've always said, I've always said, that the issue here is that he isn't the disease. Yeah. Trump was not the disease. He was a symptom of the disease. Yeah. And I haven't gotten that for five years. <laughs> like no one is telling me that I'm not hearing that. And so that's been a particularly frustrating thing for me. So I, I think the sense of relief mostly for that is like, at least I, you know, it's like COVID, right? Like I still can't taste anything, but at least I can breathe now. Um, so, so I guess that's kind of where I'm at right now, but I just, I've been thinking a lot about, um, are you familiar with Piven and Cloward? Uh, no. They're uh, so scholarly kind of leftists. I've been thinking about them a whole lot. They wrote probably one of the most like fundamentally for me has been in a very seminal work in how I interact with politics. They wrote, it's called poor people's movements. And in it, their main argument is that the people the, the plural, right? The poor class, the underclass is what I typically call them. Won't ever see any real change unless there's a schism in the elite. What worries me at least nationally is completely behind a Joe Biden presidency now. I mean, almost completely. There's probably some marginal figures who were Trumpites, you know, a Sheldon Adelson or something like that, right? But there was a real schism when Trump was in in the presidency. Um, And if we were looking for real schism is something we should have kept on pushing, but that never happened. Right. So now that Joe Biden is there, 
my real hope as far as like a leftist agenda, leftist mentality going forward is I hope that everyone starts realizing that the local, um, you know, local and state organizing is where we really need to take this thing because nationally we're screwed. (laughs) I mean, nationally, nothing of fundamental substance is going to happen, but some real change can, because guess what? Our local and state level politics, especially when you consider like the elite power structures in those areas are as divided as they've ever been. Now, nationally, that's not the case. But when you look at your like city level, your state level, your county level, there's some real chances for for the left to make some real inroads and really get some. I mean, again, I just keep on looking at Florida like, yes, Florida (laughs) went Trump, but Florida went fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, and that's huge. And I think that should be a a, you know, kind of a, a guide sign a road sign for, for, you know, our fellow lefties out there to be like, listen, you know, Joe Biden, whatever Kamala Harris, the administration, you know, they're, they they won't be able to do anything because we have divided government. Right. I mean, even if we do get both Georgia seats, right. We're going to have a whole bunch of centrist Democrats, Joe Manchin, Right. (laughs) And, you know, name any other, you know, red leaning senator that's a Democrat. Right. They're not voting for any fundamental change. (laughs) So that's kind of where I've been thinking about is that I'm hoping I really hope that we we kind of realize that, you know, this national schism, this this energy that so many people have wasted on focusing on national politics. Like, please, please, please start looking at local stuff, right? Start looking at what is directly in front of you. Because like, you know, I talked to so many people and they can't tell me who their state representative is, right? They can't tell me who their council person is. They can't tell me who their state Senator is. And it's like you need to know who that is because because now is the time for us to to really move forward and yeah. really start thinking about more local on the ground organizing. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's because um, I you know I assume I assume that that includes kind of both you know local electoralism and you know movements that put pressure on on the elected people um because yeah i'm i'm that makes me think of boston where i i think there's like one or two city councilors who are kind of standing in the way of of some of the you know police reforms they were trying to do this summer and whatever it is and it's like yeah if you're in a city uh most cities probably but especially a city like like boston or new york or la or whatever um like it it it's probably like part of the way there already. You just gotta like, <laughs> you know, yeah, get involved and and keep pushing it that way. Yeah. No, I mean, I I, I agree completely. And my hope is, 
And that right now I'm just, I'm, I'm going off pure optimism at this <laughs> point. I mean, my recently, these last couple of years, I've become increasingly cynical. <laughs> um, and Haven't we all? my, I, I, I've been <laughs> trying to work on that right. on like a personal level, but like, I don't see any reason not to be cynical. Nobody has given me a reason to to be like there is some hope um and so that that that's kind of where i'm at right now is that i keep on going back to you know how do you create a successful poor people's movement an underclass movement right that you know will bring about some fundamental change and guess what y'all it ain't happening at the national level it isn't like we have to individually start working on the local level to to get whatever change that we want. Yeah. Yeah, I um I definitely started uh to think to think about this back in um what was it March or April when the the Bernie dream was dying once again <laughs> and uh <laughs> I was, you know, I, I had this this thought and wasn't fully able to articulate it, but I talked to um, another organizer friend and he was like, yeah, it it's, you know, it's great to try to elect Bernie, but it's kind of putting the cart before the horse um, right. and probably was destined to fail. <laughs> like, you're Absolutely. not going to get it. No, from, 100%. Yeah. Um, you can't just, just be like, yeah, we'll just get the right guy in the top spot. And and then people give up because that didn't happen, and it's like, well, guys, like this this machine has been going for you know two and a half centuries, and you're not gonna change it overnight because Bernie's cool. Because like, one guy, know, yeah, right? like literally one guy can't change the whole structure that we've dealt with for centuries now. Yeah, like that. It's just it's impossible. Like he's not some Jesus Christ like figure. He right. doesn't have, you know, he's not the son of God <laughs> and can't like just wave his hands. And, you know, now we're all drinking wine and right. you know, bodies are being resurrected. Like we have to do the hard work now. And right. like it really is on us. You know, I, and I always got so frustrated because I saw, you know, people were always like, we failed Bernie. <laughs> and it's like, no, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't fail Bernie. Right. You know, as you were saying, the structure wasn't in place for Bernie to succeed. Yeah. And so we, you know, we've seen the promised land, right? We, we, we know what it looks like. We know what can be successful, but now we got to take these lessons that we've learned over four years of, of watching, you know, some of these, you know, Bernie, AOC, Elon Omar, you know, Corey Bush in Missouri now mm -hmm. and and, you know, really start fighting for those things way closer to us. I mean, like yeah. I said, like, please, everyone who's <laughs> listening to this right now, like start paying attention to your city council races, yeah. start paying attention to your county council or your your state legislature, because mm -hmm. like this is where the big stuff is going to happen. Here yeah. in South Carolina, we've 
now have, you know, Democrats got trounced. I mean, absolutely demolished here in <laughs> South Carolina. Now, Republicans have super majorities in both houses. They have the governor and they mostly have the judiciary. And so, you know, what little what little we could kind of force. And I, I have so many qualms with the Democratic Party here in South Carolina. But like we're going to see an abortion bill this legislature. Yeah. Jesus. And and you know, there's no there's no way for an effective filibuster to ha- happen now because the Republican Party in both houses can just quash it. And like we're not that we're not going to see amendments for, you know, against rape and we're not going to see amendments for the health of the mother. Like it's going to be a flat out six week ban on abortion. Right. Yeah. And like that, that's fundamental, right? That that's a fundamental thing that just happened because, you know, Jamie Harrison had to suck all the oxygen up in South Carolina. Right. You know, and I, and now I don't see anybody in the democratic party here you know, really taking a hard look. It's just all, thank you, Jamie, for running. Thank you, Jim Clyburn, for helping <laughs> Joe Biden win right. the presidency. And I'm like, y'all realize that, like, fundamentally, women's rights are going to be taken away here in South Carolina, right? Like, yeah. we're going to get, you know, the corporate power structure here was already awful. It's going to get worse. Like, more of our tax dollars are going to go to corporations. Less is going to go to education now. Like that's just fundamental. That's just going to happen. Right. And like, I have to see, thank you very much, Jamie Harrison for helping lead the worst defeat of <laughs> South Carolinian Democrats in a generation, uh, maybe probably since, you know, the silent majority in Nixon. Yeah. Like seriously, that's it's probably this is probably the worst destruction of Democrats since that point. Yeah, in South Carolina, it's so crazy. I was just <clears throat> my wife and I were talking about this too. Though, like this, this like hero worship of politicians. It's just it's got to stop. Like people have to realize that they're, they're not your friends. They're not like your mommy and daddy. Like you, you, they're not the Avengers. They're just right. fucking like weirdos who want to be, be in elected office because they're psychos. Like, I don't know, but like, um, it's, it, it's not, uh, yeah. If Jamie Harrison loses, just be like, all right, fuck you. And on like, let's learn some lessons, right? Let's, let's take a hard look at why we lost all of these races. But like, all I see is like, well, South Carolinians are racist. That's why. Right. And it's like, okay, well that can be a part of our our direction right but how are we going to change that just like calling people racist isn't going to help the party at all like what are we going to do to change rural white people's minds what are we going to do call them racist (laughs) call them misogynists okay let's we're going to keep losing races then like we're going to lose more seats that way right because at the end of the day, there's still more white people in this country. There is still more white people 
in this state. And if we don't, if we can't have a message that extends to them, that isn't more than, well, you're just racist. Well, that's why you voted for Trump. Right. Then, then we deserve to lose. Yeah. Like we absolutely deserve to lose like this. Like, well, I can't talk to anybody who thinks like I can't talk to anybody who voted for Trump. That's 70 million people that you're just right. writing off. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to win? <laughs> like Joe Biden has historically gotten the most votes any presidential candidate has ever had. Who is in second place? Right. Donald Trump 2020. <laughs> Jesus. And we're just going to write all of them off. He has more votes than Obama did in 08. Yeah. How do we just write off all of those human beings? I won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not productive. It can be very cathartic. And I understand that, you know, it's been four years of, uh, you know, and I'm not any better at this, honestly, but like it's been four years of, of um, uh, at, at least the, the vocal invisible Trump supporters being like, fuck you, fuck your feelings. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Fuck off. Like you can all go die. And it's like, yeah, it's hard to then be like, all right, so what do you guys need? <laughs> but like, <Yeah. laughs> but the fact is like, I, you know, how many, cause I, I criticize this with, with a lot of people who, who make arguments about like swaths of people. A, a lot of the time my response is, okay, how many people is that really? Or right. were a bunch of people mean to you on Twitter and yes. that's not good, but like the, how many people are, are, you know, um, living a completely different life where, they they just don't have a concept of what you're talking about and you don't have a concept of what they're talking about. And you can either try to understand each other or just keep doing what we're doing, which is not <laughs> working great. Well, it was the, it was the Bernie bro mentality, right? Like look at all these misogynist, misogynist Bernie bro supporters who are going to yell at people. And I was like, that's that's an interesting line because most of the Bernie people that I knew are like some of the most empathic kind people yeah. I've ever met. And like a couple of, you know, trolls on Twitter, like there's always going to be trolls on the Internet. Right. And like they can say they're Bernie supporters, but are they actually <laughs> Bernie supporters? Are yeah. they Trump supporters or are they just trolls? And they know they're going to get a response by being like Trump 2020 MAGA. <laughs> right? right. And 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 it's so funny because like uh, so many in the, you know, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, you know, subscribers have turned into blue MAGA. <laughs> like they really have just comp that's what they are now. They're blue, blue mega, MAGA. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how much of that stays now that Trump is out of office. Like, do they keep on completely subscribe? You know, do they intently watch Rachel Maddow every single night right. or do do her ratings just plummet? <sighs> you know, the Chris yeah. Hayes and the Anderson Coopers who, you know, Trump is a fat turtle on his back and you know like all this stuff that is just like you people are supposed to be like giving me news right yeah 
And, yeah, I don't know. Like, do they go? Do they go back to the news now, hmm. or do they keep on giving us a? What are they going to be opinionated about now? Yeah, but I don't know. Well, that, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think that the the you know MSNBC was ever like really a pure news source. Like I know, you know, yeah, I know they have right. That's very much true. Um, yeah, I but know. NPR was. Right. Yeah, that's and true. NPR yeah. has gone blue MAGA in the last <laughs> few years. <laughs> yeah, meaning like just uh, full, like full on support of Biden, or like what do you full on support of Biden? Very, very anti Trump. Like I was always okay, like presenting, like this is what the Trump administration is doing, right? But we have like description words now right and like not even it's not like you listen to the npr politics podcast and it's like there's nobody even remotely supporting trump on that it's right pretty easy and it's like well pr so of course you know like left-leaning bias and all that stuff but like that wasn't the case sponsored by goldman sachs (laughs) right yeah exactly yeah the the ford foundation right yeah so those leftists it's (laughs) For me, it's it. We're the meat. I'm very frightened of what is going to happen to our media. Like, are they going to keep this? Because again, I think a lot of the Trump investigation stuff has been helpful. They haven't yeah. done, you know, as much as I would want. They haven't looked into the things that, you know, it was my my qualms with impeachment. Right. Or that they kept it to Ukraine. Who the fuck cares about the Ukraine? Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> 80, 80% of America couldn't point out the Ukraine on a map, let alone even tell you generally where it was. Right. And it's like that Donald Trump has so much financial shit that you could have really investigated him. On. Yeah. But but what happens when we start looking into that stuff? When you start following the financial crimes, you don't know where it's going to again end and who's going to be implicated. Yeah. You telling me Nancy Pelosi doesn't have some sketchy deals. You telling me that Chuck Schumer doesn't have any sketchy deals. That's the reason we didn't look deeper into it. Right. I think. Yeah. Because a- there would have been Hunter Biden. Right. The whole <laughs> Biden family. Like you can again, you can say whatever you want to about like the laptop and, you know, Burisma <laughs> and all that stuff. Fundamentally, there's some ridiculous nepotism going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and that, that isn't good for a country like ours. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that um, when it comes to, uh, you know, the news, these news channels being opinionated, like, I, I, I think – it might have been, you know, I don't watch these that much, but like, I, I think it was a little more harmful when they wouldn't say Trump was lying, <laughs> you know, like when they right. would like tiptoe around stuff like that. Yeah, it was like um, mistruths right. or something yeah, like yeah. that, like that. Uh, insinuated yeah, falsehoods. That? That was like the or, first year in, right? Yeah. Um, and then, because like, I don't know, they, 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 try to be balanced and then they turn to like fucking Hugh Hewitt 
<laughs> and, right. the, and then they're, and they're like, what do you think, Hugh? And he's like, well, uh, I, I think that Biden's a communist and uh, that, that he's he's Mao and he's going to cut your head off. And yeah. it's like they they have these people on Corey Lewandowski. It's like um, they do talk to like the other side, right. but it's like the fucking nuts. They're not the like, craziest of the crazy. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's not you're like. And maybe that's just who, all they had, right? Maybe yeah. I'm just, you know, there's some bias there. Because right. But, but then the bias is like, they don't, you know, how often do they talk to Angela Davis or Noam right. Chomsky or, you know, right. like, um, right. so yeah, I think that, that was always the problem with these. And yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point though. I don't know. I don't remember how prominent they were during Obama's presidency. I mean, I think his second term for sure with the Republican control of Congress, they were um, pretty big voices, but yeah, I think they're, they're still going to be plastered everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my worry, my biggest worry is that all they have done is ruin their reputations over the last couple of years. And they have now historically low approval ratings, the mainstream media, you know, as a conglomerate. And that, yeah. you know, it's a little depending on who you're talking to. Right. Like the left loves The New York Times and they love MSNBC. Right. The right likes Fox News and OAN, One America News Network. Right. But like what? Where does that lead us now in a world where left-leaning media doesn't have a foil? Um, well, like, I think and do they do they keep up the investigative nature that they have against Trump? Right. Well, I yeah, I doubt that. I do think that yeah. they'll definitely be softer on Biden. Um, I I would say that I think the the goal at least would be to raise the prominence of leftist like true leftist media yeah. um to counter both of those cuz i think uh yeah we're there, you know we shouldn't expect much from from the mainstream cable corporate news corporate and, media uh, yeah <laughs> left um, or right right yeah yeah left or right um, how do you think we do that like you know there's there's folks like us and you know, I think of Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, the Chapos, the you know, the Truanons, and you know, like the, we're our prominence is growing, right? I even, yeah. you know, I personally consider um, Joe Rogan a little bit of he's a strange lefty, uh, he's a weird lefty. <laughs> I don't know. He he, you know, because I I agree. Like I used to listen to him a lot when I was younger, um, and. So I just like, can't do three hour podcasts. Oh, yeah, 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 I just yeah. can't. I can't do uh, it. Especially I with, with like no, Alex Jones. But who um, has time for that? Right. But yeah, I I, I so I, I know more about him than than some people. Like when I see people going like, oh, he's he's just a right wing fucking whatever. I'm like, no, it's not quite like that. But um, I do think that he is someone who uh, touts himself as being very open minded and Therefore, he will have anyone on. But what right. that ends up looking like is every fifth show is with Ben Shapiro or Jordan Peterson. And right. now and then he'll have like 
you know, uh, uh, what's that girl's, uh, the woman's name from, uh, RT. Um, Oh, I don't know. Uh, she used to be on RT. God, I don't know. But but he'll have some like leftist, uh, you know, investigative journalist, or he'll have like Jimmy Dore on or something. Right. But it's like it's it's pretty rare, and it, it, everything else is is either neutral, like some doctor, or it's like right. it, Alex Jones, right? You know? Conspiracy theory, so, Graham Norton. Let's talk about some ancient aliens. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't you know I with him and with like you know Chapo I I. I am not as fond of as I used to be, but I, I recognize. I'm right. The, I'm right there with you, dude. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm, I think really the only Chapo I like anymore is their Beltway Garage. If you've been listening <laughs> to those. I haven't episodes. lately, those but are, I did. I, I enjoyed those. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are some of their best these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 th- I do recognize like the, the, the service they've done for sort of like alternative media. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, I I think that uh, YouTube is really important. Um, I've been getting really into yeah. leftist YouTubers because, like, people don't realize there there is a whole like Fox News of the internet on YouTube. There's PragerU oh, yeah. and Tim Pool and and uh, Stephen Crowder, uh, Lauren Chen. Like, there there are so many of these people. And yeah. there's just, you know, uh, Coke Industries and shit just dumping money into these people's yeah, operations. Yeah, Prager University, right? Their yeah. big stuff is on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, you Those know, that's... some crazy bastards. <laughs> yeah, PragerU is, like, <laughs> really out there. Prager like, U is crazy bastards. But so yeah. it's like, what is it, uh, TP? What, what I always think oh, toilet paper USA, and I know that isn't right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know turn- that isn't right. Well, that's all I can ever turning think point. Of I think yeah, um, yeah, uh, that's yeah. For- Charlie Kirk, right? I, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Liberty Hangout. That's the Caitlin Bennett, the Gun Girl. Um, but like, yeah, people like listeners. If you haven't seen a PragerU video, I encourage you to go watch one, or at least watch like. There are great leftist YouTubers now who will like break down those videos and everywhere right. where it's like that's not a fact. Like that's <laughs> what they just said that is not a like uh you know quantitative statement. <laughs> like the yeah. they they don't list sources. It's like a, a fucking nightmare, but they present it in a way that's that's soothing to enough fucking uh, you know, um disaffected people. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I think I, you know, I'd like to get more into the YouTube side and, and kind of take my, my, uh, podcast to YouTube. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I think that, yeah, the Gravel Institute just started up, um, they're Vosh. pretty interesting, Yeah, but I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Mike Gravel back in, yeah. what was it? Oh, four when he ran, was he John Kerry oh. or was he first time Obama? I think it was first time Obama because I remember like, it was like Obama, Biden, Hillary, like all of them were on, yeah. on the stage. Yeah, uh, I think like Lincoln Chafee or somebody random like that. But then it was just like Mike Gravel at the end of the stage, yeah, just yelling about the Iraq War, and then he had some of the best videos yeah. for his national campaign spots. I mean, like he would just like <laughs> throw a rock into a lake. And it's like black and white 
and then like the camera just like zooms in on the ripples of the lake. There's no music. There's no voiceover. <laughs> and it's just like this. five minutes of that. And then it was like Mike Gravel for president. And I was just like, who is this guy? Yeah. Oh, was I was amazing. totally into it. <laughs> but then, but you know what that, you know, I don't know how many people did it. Obviously not that many, but then I found out like, this is the guy who has the congressman in the seventies sat on the on the floor of the House of Representatives and read in every single page of the Pentagon papers. Yeah. It's pretty like pretty badass. That's insane. That's yeah. that that is I can't even imagine. you know the Afghanistan papers came out what a year ago? Six yeah. months ago? I mean time is the flat circle these days, but <laughs> like Yeah. Elon Omar should do it. No one, come on. No one, no one talked about it. Yeah. No one talked about how this report came out. And this is, this was a, a government report, right? So, like, imagine the shit they didn't tell us. But right. this report tells us that they've been lying about the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And, it's like, and de- it doesn't make a mark. And that's things like that is what really worries me about where our media is going. I mean, it's right. Chomsky manufactured consent. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, but yeah, when it comes to like elected officials, I wonder if they're like, um, are they just oblivious? Like, do they are they that scared of of like doing that publicly? I, I don't know, because uh, I would think that like. You know, I I know they they play the game a little bit, but like I feel like AOC would be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll read the goddamn like thing even, on the. But phone. yeah, you know, I I really uh, it, it's hard for me to even. I just don't think there's a plan, right? right. Yeah, I, you know, I've I've worked a little bit again with with Democratic politics in South Carolina, and like I know for a fact there isn't a plan. Like there 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 is no legislative plan. There's no like the House of Representatives and senators are getting together and talking about like, hey, let's work together to get these three things done this session. Right. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. It's a whole bunch of individuals working for their own ends. And I, you know, like, yeah, okay, great. The squad grew. But like, again, fundamentally, what is the squad going to do? Are they actually going to stop Nancy Pelosi? from being the speaker of the house again yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know i don't know Um, you you know and then after that like again there's almost like unless we get some real investigations like that's what you know everyone when i always argue like god the house has been so ineffective throughout the trump presidency mm -hmm. that's the you know like well what could they have done you know they didn't have the senate they didn't have the presidency they could have been investigating this whole entire time. They could have been throwing up these clips of them interviewing people from the Trump administration, people from, you know, like all over. And it's like, we got like Colonel Vinman once we got like Brett Kavanaugh did keg stands in high school Right. And like we got like a two day impeachment for fucking something that happened in Ukraine. I can't even tell you. I know. 
Yeah. And so like that's what we got. That's what that's what the last four years of the Trump presidency has. Well, I guess two years, to be fair, to be fair to the Democrats, two years. But like that's all we got. Yeah. And like we should have been having like some serious internal investigations of government going on. But again, you know, again, uh, another thing that always infuriated me was every single military bill, every time the Patriot Act came back up, yeah. guess what got renewed? Guess yeah. who got more money? The surveillance state, right. the military state. And then I have and Nancy the- Pelosi telling me that this is the most fearsome dictator the world has ever seen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why, why are we giving like, him a bigger surveillance state? Yeah, yeah. Why are we giving the military more money mm-hmm. off of the biggest dictator in the whole entire world? It's just a theater. It's just a game. And so, yeah. like, again, listeners, please, like, local politics is where we're going to make the difference. Yeah. Because um, an individual can play, you know, Stacey Abrams showed us in Georgia. I mean, for six years, she has been working her ass off, registering voters, telling them we can make a difference as a collective voting block. Right. And they did. It's true. I mean, I would love to see how many first time voters happened in the last two years in Georgia. I bet that number is gigantic. There are so many people in this country, you know, we're, we're so amazed by 140 million people coming and showing out. And yeah, it's a, it's a great number for America, right? That That's a very impressive number for yeah. America. How many people still aren't voting? How many people still don't give a shit because right. their lives aren't changing? Right. They're not. They're not changing at all. Yeah. yeah. You know, Cuba has fucking like 96 percent participation in elections right <laughs> that, well you know australia is like at 99 percent. yeah i think theirs is mandatory theirs is mandatory but, um yeah yeah that blew my mind about cuba that like they that they have elections in the first place but like right. but yeah apparently like it's such a an ingrained part of their their process like kids are poll watchers and like they get the whole population involved um so so joe what do you what 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 do you kind of see as like the next steps for a you know maybe not even a nationwide movement but like the left like if i'm a leftist right now you know i'm you know whatever you want to say a a socialist a communist uh you know just i i'm not happy with this two-party system right i yeah fundamentally think that it's neoliberal all the way down and like it's a corporate power you know hippopotamus or what hungry hungry hippos right just eating all the marbles and i don't even get to have a hippo right so what what what's the game plan now for you well so i i do have some interest in like third party potential um you know, it it seems like it might be a dead end, but I also sort of think like I I don't know why we couldn't like start small with that. Um like yeah. why not get 
a a bunch of people like behind a Green Party candidate for fucking Boston City Council or something, you know. Um, yes. Something where we can make this this statement of like, there, yeah, we're doing it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, I yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why that doesn't happen. Um, when it comes to like you know third parties on a national level, I think people need to like, uh, you know, keep fighting for ranked choice. Um, yeah, you know when people argue with me about the green, you know, like the, that they're voting for the green party and like, they don't want to support the two party thing. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've, I mean, fine. But like it just voting for the green party every four years clearly doesn't do very yeah, much. They're not, still at 0.1%. At um, so yeah, that's what I think in, in that area. I think that there's, there's still room to do something there. Um, and then in terms of, uh, uh, you know, policy stuff, I think, uh, you know, your your idea of of local politics is a good place to start, with, say, like climate policy, where, yeah, uh, that's you know such an anxiety for everyone. I think part of it is because we we know who's in charge nationally, and we know that it's like really unlikely that we're gonna get what we actually need from there. Uh, but if you look at all of the like major changes that have have happened really in the, like throughout the history of this country um you know a bunch of states banned slavery before it was banned nationally a bunch of states legalized right. marijuana before it was le- you know uh so what yeah why can't we you know um start in a place like yeah Massachusetts I think is pretty uh pretty favorable to these things I think uh Vermont and even New Hampshire and Maine are probably like, you know, this whole New England sector, I think, is probably uh, a place where people are are like, yeah, absolutely. I'm on board. Um, so let's try to do some of these things. Yeah. Uh, and yes, yeah, so the Sunrise Movement has um, yes. has a chapter in every state in, in, you know, most cities. So, like, go find them and and uh, see what they need. Yeah. I agree completely. You know, it's funny. I've been uh, scrolling. I, you know, I always have a soft spot in my heart for my libertarians. Uh, um, and I've been kind of scrolling and looking at their message boards and stuff like that. They are so angry at the libertarian party right now <laughs> for how how much of their resource share was extended to Joe Jorgensen's presidential campaign. <laughs> And they were like, we had libertarians running for local races throughout the country, and we won a couple of those. Mm. But it, you know what? It wasn't because of Joe Jorgensen. It wasn't anything. You know, she wasted all their time and all their resources spouting her crazy shit. Yeah. And like you had on the ground locals, state representatives or county councils or whatever it was, libertarians who could have seriously affected some small change. Yeah. And I thought it was so funny, the frustration that was coming out of them. Cause I was like, like, wow, Hey, <laughs> I like really get that. And I'm glad to see that that is something that is starting to be 
understood by more and more, especially of, you know, kind of the fringe populace of, right. of politics that aren't these mainstream under the corporatist umbrella of, you know, Democrat or Republican Party that we need to start focusing on the local level because like it just takes that one barrier to crack. Right. Right. Like when the first states were were legalizing marijuana, making marijuana medical, could they have imagined where it was today? There's no way. Right. You know, I'm sure some of the bigger brain thinkers were definitely like, you know, this is how the nationwide movement happens. But it's been 30 years now. Right. right? And like it's been a slow steady march like you mentioned with slavery right? right that for i think it was like new york or something or like new hampshire was like one of the first to say yeah we're slavery is not going to work within the confines of our state anymore yeah yeah that, that that was a fundamentally revolutionary idea yeah and it caught like wildfire again it took decades right it yeah. took decades Gates, but like that on the ground fight locally has to happen. And if we're wasting our our thoughts and our energy on these national races that that aren't going to end up fundamentally changing anything, really, you yeah. know, like what was Jamie Harrison going to do in the <laughs> Senate that was actually Nothing. going to help? help South Carolinians. He right. was probably going to bring back some spoils for the Democrats, right? Right. But that was it. <laughs> that would have been it. That fundamentally would have been it. You know, nothing would have changed. Right. Nothing yeah. would have changed. You know, it would have been, we would have seen if this was a Democratic Senate, we would have seen the same thing that happened under Obama, right? Well, we can't get things passed because of Joe Lieberman. Yeah, right. we can't get things passed because of Joe Manchin right. and the Republicans, right? Yeah, and it's like, sorry guys, <sighs> like we wanted to pass Medicare for all, but like Joe Manchin and and Kristen Cinema, just right. they were worried like, about getting reelected. It's not a problem, like <laughs> that you and have that's to it, say that right? That, that would have been the end of it, and yeah. then we were we would be on to the next, you know, like cultural battle, right? Um, I just have to get this little dig in at the libertarians. So what they're saying Give is it they, to me, they, baby. They, I, I mean, I, I dig at my libertarians <laughs> as well, but they do always have a little soft spot in my heart. So what they're saying is they would like for the uh, the, the the wealth to be redistributed among. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent, dude! Isn't it hilarious? They're saying there's some kind Isn't of problem with con concentrated money at the top. That's yeah. oh, interesting. That seems like madness, right? <laughs> seems like that, you know. And that's always, you know, I, again. Like reason, I, I've been following reason for a long time, hmm. but my one of my biggest complaints is at the end of the day, I never hear them talk about crony capitalism. Like as right. as what I think is a fundamental libertarian, that should be like the amount of tax breaks that a you know a company like Amazon or Boeing or Raytheon or you know name whatever large multinational conglomerate you want to that they get all these tax breaks 
should be fundamentally disgusting to them, right? Right. But I never hear them dive into that. <laughs> I never hear them bring that up. It's yeah. just like, well, business is is business, and they should be able to do whatever they want. Right. But it's like, well, it's not it's not in a vacuum. It's not in yeah. a, a completely right. organic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's really uh, really something. Um. But yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember what I was going to respond to specifically, but um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, definitely going to be a local battle. Like that's what I, I think. Um, one of the things that that's great right now is that there's mutual aid groups in every city. Like yes. that's that's huge to me. I I yes. I never heard. I'm sure they they existed sort of, but like I never heard of that until this year. Uh, in in the U.S. at least, right. and it's like, yeah, it, like any where any listener wherever you are, you can g- Google mutual aid your city, and you can go just do stuff for them. Like, uh, you know, if you have any yeah. spare time, like, um, go buy groceries for someone, and and the group will reimburse you, and um, that's the sort of like anarchist perspective where it's like yeah uh let's start like building uh these sort of structures for ourselves and each other that can function you know within but outside of this the sort of like institutions um and and fill in some of the gaps left by them because uh you know i think all of these things we're talking about are important like elections um local politics national politics um and this like direct action stuff uh it's all important but like that that means you got to do all of it <laughs> like, yeah. like well and, and again societally speaking for 30 40 years it's been kind of an active destruction of are kind of communal ideals. And yeah. that again is why I hope we really focus on more local politics. Cause we have to build up our communities. Yeah. We have to like, it's not, it's not about like, it would be nice if we can, if we want fundamental change in America, we have to build up our communities. And that is, do you know your neighbors? Yeah. <laughs> do you know your neighbors? Do you talk to your neighbors? Do, right. do you know who lives around you? Right. That's where it starts. That's yeah. where it starts. Meet your next door neighbor, please. Like, even if, you know, I know you've been living there six months to a year and I know you've seen them. You waved at them a couple of times. You're like, well, you know, at this point, I can't ask them what their name is or what they do. Just do it. Like, just break that freaking barrier. Yeah. And do it. Say hello to your neighbor. Find out about them. Do they need help? You know, maybe you need to paint your fence, right? Maybe your neighbor has a paintbrush that you can use. Like this is, you know, it's stupid. You know, it sounds stupid, but it's simple stuff like that that is going to rebuild our communities that have been destroyed. And like another thing for me, too, is rest, like get (laughs) some rest and relaxation you know we we have this mentality 
be of like, oh, go out there and work, sister. Go out there and work, mm. brother. You know, like go get your cheddar. Go get your change. Right. You know, like we we like we put so much emphasis on like, well, I had to wake up at five thirty today, and I've been working until seven p.m. And you know, like <laughs> I've worked eighty hours this week. And yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's a- don't do that. <laughs> Achievement like, I understand unlocked. if you fundamentally if you if it's like survival or yeah. not then that's what you got to do and i understand that but like take some time for yourself read a book don't even read a book just sit there and relax meditate think you know write in your diary or your journal you know play a video game i i mean i don't i literally don't care what it but take for some time for yourself because like I see so many people who are just fundamentally exhausted <laughs> and like you can't help anyone if you can't help yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I made a very um, uh, conscious decision to start playing video games again because because of exactly that. I didn't have anything in my life that I just did for fun. Yeah. I mean, right. you know, watch TV and stuff sometimes, but like. Uh, you know, most of the stuff I watch and listen to is political. I read political shit. I do a political podcast. I, you know, I'm a musician, but like I give myself projects. I'm like, I've got a new song. I'm going to record this and that's going to take days. And like, I, you know, uh, I teach music and that's my, my job most of the time. So it's like, I needed this thing that like I could just do and not have to like, um, achieve anything except within the game but yeah i've been addicted to uh the outer worlds on switch lately. oh dude it's so such good such a good game <laughs> it's so great and i i'm like but i'm a bethesda boy so it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't take you know you got you got two major producers from bethesda oh. making that game and i was like that's all i need Sweet. to be here yeah yeah it's 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 like i'm so happy that i am like having a hard time pulling myself away from a video game. It's like, what yeah. a great problem to have. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree completely. And it's just about like, please right now, especially like, of course work and make the change and, you know, get into these groups and stuff because like a common communal structure is necessary for humanity. And like we, it, it's been ripped from us for decades like especially most of us millennials, we we've never actually been in a real community atmosphere. Yeah. Like other than like my rural people, you know, other than, you know, my inner city urbans. Like if we grew up in suburbia, which most of us did, yeah. We 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 haven't seen a real community structure right. in our lives. And so like yeah, you're gonna make mistakes, and guess what, y'all? It's going to be awkward and weird. Yeah, <laughs> at first, right? Like, you know, going up to the rando person in your neighborhood is a strange experience. But like, do I it. I call them strangers. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> and they will be strangers until they're acquaintances. Right, and then from acquaintances, you make friends. And like, we got, again, we got to start doing this. Like, do you live in a neighborhood? Join your neighborhood association that, Mm. you know, that's, I'm starting to create one in my neighborhood right now because we don't have one. Yeah. And it, it has been 
a very difficult process. Been playing some video games to kind of <laughs> deal with the stress of that, but like <laughs> these are the things we have to do. We have to create more political power, and that starts on the most, you know, and then our family is first, right? And then it goes to the neighborhood. And so, like, if we can help give our neighborhoods more political power, that is a good thing. Yeah. That is a good thing. Yeah, we got to do it. Um, so I should probably wrap it up because I got to uh, work at 430. Wrap it up, B. Um, but, yeah, man, it's good talking to you again. Um, I think yes. uh, we've, got, we've got some good stuff here. Um, I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, everyone just in solidarity, we got, uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't the end, right? <laughs> like this is this, we're at the beginning again. It feels like every four years I'm at the beginning again, but yeah, we're yeah. at the beginning <laughs> and we got to stay optimistic. And, you know, if you, if you listen to us on real politic, I'm sorry if, uh, if you think I'm too cynical and maybe <laughs> I am too cynical sometimes I tried to be not so cynical today. There was definitely some cynicism, <laughs> but y'all like we got work to do. We got work to do. And Joe, thank you because like you're out here getting the work done, dude. So yeah. just like, I I've loved listening to your pod oh, and sweet. just, Thanks, you've had some incredible minds on radicalize me yeah so i'm just happy to be one of them maybe yeah. not so incredible but i'm glad to be on <laughs> no it's great yeah um so yeah uh, uh go listen to real politique um and uh where else can people find you is there a twitter or anything oh man we're on we're on spotify podcast you know we're the producer paul holden he's the one who really uh is in charge of everything but you can follow right. him at at paul holden Real politique. I don't know if you do it the search bar, you'll find it eventually. I'm sure you guys Sweet. are smarter at social media than I am. I can guarantee that if you found this podcast. But uh, yeah, oh, you can find the pod anywhere. I, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, you know those asshole companies, and then uh, yeah, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Um, so yeah, real politique with a K at the end. Not That's a right. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Um, well, yeah, stay in touch. Hopefully we'll uh, work together again. Oh, definitely happening. All right. Have a good one. All right, later. See ya. And that was Chris the Plumber. Go listen to RealPolitik in all the places. It's a fine program. You're not going to want to miss it, fella. Follow RealPolitik on Twitter at real underscore politique and follow my show this show radicalize me at facebook.com slash radicalize me and follow me on twitter at joe underscore messina and uh, as always you can write to the show at radicalize me at gmail.com or leave us a message at anchor.fm slash radicalize me and you can donate on anchor as well if you would like to uh okay is that it i think that's it do an activism this week and uh, write in to tell us about it. Thanks. Later. Later.